there's certain stars that get up there and they talk about their first experience the walk of fame i have chills talking about it she brought a blown up picture of herself laying on the hollywood walk of fame when she was like 14 or 15. that was her dream her dream was to have a walk of fame star I'm Gabriella Tavacoli-Bailey, and I've worked in unscripted television as an executive producer and TV executive doing what I love most, storytelling. I'm an extremely curious person, and I decided to do this podcast so I can dig in and learn about fascinating people living extraordinary lives. And I called up my very talented friend, Aurelie Minazad, who is a writer and journalist. And together, we are going to learn about people's journeys and provide you with a fun listen and a good time. Welcome to Tell Us Something We Don't Know. The Hollywood Walk of Fame is known to be one of the most iconic landmarks. Located on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles, only a group of the elite are given the opportunity to have their names on these stars. Our guest today is Nicole Mahalka, who served as the chair of the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce and is here to tell us all that goes into getting one of these stars, as well as her experience emceeing the Hollywood Walk of Fame, including ceremonies for Missy Elliott, Daniel Craig, Salma Hayek, Andy Cohen, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So before we get into it, Andy Cohen got his star last year. Yes. And he has his new book out, The Daddy Diaries, that came out recently. And in his book, he talks about his experience getting this like incredible, you know, the star and everything. But he spends pages and pages talking about you, Nicole. <laughs> you know, it's very mysterious because it's like the lady in the hot pink pantsuit. And so what does he say about you in this book? Well, first of all, the outfit itself. The outfit itself lives <laughs> on its own. Like I was asking my girlfriends, what, it, what should I wear? And yeah. so I had worn this to another ceremony that wasn't as publicized. And my girlfriend goes, you should wear the hot pink pantsuit. Andy loves a pantsuit. <laughs> and then here's the big one. The big thing that happened that was not planned, was not written, was that when I was getting on stage after, when I was just about to announce that it's been, it's Andy Cohen day in Hollywood and we declare it, you know, the star's day. Um, I tripped. I have sparkly gold Jimmy shoes that I got at Nordstrom Rack, by the way, that were my Walk of Fame shoes. It dug into my pantsuit. Oh, no. I fell flat on my face on stage, ripped my pantsuit, but I popped back up. So that happened. He definitely definitely mentioned that. (laughs) But what I want to say about the pink pantsuit and wearing outfits like that is that in days gone by, traditionally for the Walk of Fame, when chairs would come, they were told by past leadership, I mean, way past, to wear something that kind of blended into the background. Wow. You Boy. don't want to sh- like shine because you don't want to, you know, take away. But I always felt like it was part of playing it up and having fun, you know? Yeah. Good for you to not follow that rule. Mm-hmm. So you're saying though, and we should use Andy as an example. So first of all, getting a star like I was saying, it's a very, very big deal. There's only like less than 3,000 people who actually have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So huge, huge deal. 
And I had no idea that you're supposed to kind of like pick the people that are going to kind of represent you and speak for you. So he picked uh, John Mayer and then two other people from the Housewives franchise. And so what is the actual process of getting a star? How does one do that? And I heard that it costs like $75,000 from like whoever nominates that person or whatever. So talk to us about that. Yeah. So basically you have to apply and there's an application period. It was just open and just recently closed. It's open for about a month in May every year. And so you can apply. There's a nominal application fee and hundreds and hundreds, sometimes thousands of applications come in every year. There is a committee that specifically selects who they will nominate for the Walk of Fame, to be recipients for the Walk of Fame. And that group is not Hollywood Chamber of of Commerce Board business people. It was many years ago. But now it's made by a group of basically celebrities who have received Walk of Fame um, stars. Oh, okay. So in the past, for example, and each category, so there's recording, motion pictures, theater, and... We have a sports category now, sports entertainment category. Each category is represented by a celebrity who's won in that category or received a star in that category. So like LL Cool J was music, Ava Longoria was television, and so on and so forth. And like, oh, and there's radio category too. And Ellen Kay has been the chair of the committee for a bit. And she's, of course, from the radio category. So that group meets just a handful of times to go through the applications and then they select about 25 to 30 applicants per year per year so there's there's an application process that people are nominate you know in these different categories yes. in, in about a month time span basically and then there are these judges that right. essentially take that time and then they pick the 20-ish people that are chosen to get a star for that particular year. And then in that following year is when you guys start handing them out? Yes. Okay. So I think the announcement for next year's class, so we'll announce the 2024 class in the summer, this summer, and there'll be an announcement date and uh, there'll be announced. But yes, that, that's the process of being selected. Who nominates? Let's yeah. talk who nominates and let's talk about accepting it. Because I think people misunderstand why certain people are getting stars and why certain people haven't received stars or they question the timing. For example, Francis Ford Coppola, he received a star during my year as chair. And that was the 50th anniversary of The Godfather. Uh, oh. Yeah. So I believe, you know, people have probably applied for him 25 years ago, 40 years ago, even 50 years ago. But the star has to accept it. You also have to have a sponsor. So clearly Paramount was promoting the 50th anniversary of uh, The Godfather and I believe their 100th anniversary. So it kind of all coincided and they pushed for it. And so that was really a Paramount studio pushed, you know, event. Got it. And then, for example, Daniel Craig got a star and that was on the weekend that the, the last James Bond movie that he was in premiered. And so it almost always ties with a studio release, almost always, or an album release. Red Hot Chili Peppers, they had an album coming out that weekend. 
and so on and so forth. Salma Hayek was in a, um, she was in a couple movies. I think it was a Marvel movie was one of them. And there was another one. So that's usually how it works. However, there are some that are crowdfunded. For example, James Hong, Jamie Lee Curtis uh, led a nomination and a crowdfunding for James Hong to get his star. And it was really beautiful because almost, you know, every Asian American actor or Asian actor that you've ever seen or loved was there at that ceremony. I have chills. They had a traditional dragon dance. I had a cold, so I couldn't go, but I'm a huge Jamie Lee Curtis fan. Obviously, James Hawk, the legend, has been in so many movies. So, And this was a big comeback for him, too. Yeah. 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 Now, talk about the cost. So the cost for many years was about $50,000, and then it recently got raised because cost for security, cost to run these ceremonies has gone up, like cost for everything. Gabby did her research that it's about $75,000 now. Because Gabby's trying to get one yeah, and I'm going mean, to crowdfund for her. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we do, they, they do entertainment executives also get obviously Andy Cohen, oh, entertainment executive. Oh and, yeah. And there's been others. So the work that you do with the Hollywood chamber of commerce is um, a volunteer based right opportunity, but to become a chair is not easy. I mean, what was your process to get to that position? It was a journey. I joined the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce as a member in 2001 when I first started my career and I didn't have any contacts in business. I needed, you know, a place to meet people and get connected. So I would go to the events, the mixers. I joined the Economic Development Committee. Uh, I then became chair of that committee because I just kept showing up and I was involved and contributed. And then I became the chair of the Young business professionals organization and we named it a bunch of things. I called it the A-list for a while. And (laughs) that was, it's so funny. That's how long ago it was. I was young. And then eventually I was asked to be on the board and the board, again, it's a volunteer leadership position. And then a few years into that. And in fact, I'll never forget, I had just given birth to my son who was eight. And while I was in the hospital, I was looking at my phone with my newborn that I had given birth to that day. And someone said, would you like to join the executive committee? Now the executive committee leads the board. So that's the vice chairs, senior vice chair, treasurer, et cetera, and chair. So that started that journey. And then I worked my way through every position and then became chair. So it's like 20 years. 20 years. So it's funny because people will come up to me after the ceremony. Sometimes people would stop me in the street and it would be some young actress. And she's like, I want to do that. <laughs> like, well, you just need to be a volunteer leader for 20 years. And people definitely, after they hear that, they, like they shy away from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you have a history with Hollywood. Like you were born here, you were raised here, and then you went back and forth or? Kind of. I wasn't born here, but when I was a kid, so my dad worked at Rand Corporation and my mom was a nurse at St. John's. So I grew up as a little one in Santa Monica. Right. Oh. Yeah. Little known fact. I talk about Boston a lot because I moved there a little later, but this was in the late seventies. One of my favorite things to do was they would take us to Hollywood Boulevard and then I would put my hands in Shirley Temple's handprints. And, and that was a real sketchy time on Hollywood Boulevard, but that was a really formative memory for me. Right. And then we go to Barney's Beanery. That was the tradition. Flash forward. I'm in college back East. All I wanted to do was come back to LA 
And the first place, so I come back, I'm 23 years old. I don't have a pot to piss in. I have a crappy Dodge Shadow. I moved into a $600 a month single apartment at Franklin La Brea, walking distance to the Walk of Fame and the Hamperts. So that's my journey was sort of, I was always drawn to Hollywood. But the way you talk about it, it sounds like you're just so passionate about it. Like this was always a part of your life and you were meant to be here. I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's always been this draw. I mean, I could have gone to the Valley. I could have found an apartment there. I could have found an apartment in West Hollywood or Miracle Mile, but Hollywood called to me. And so that's where I, I really kind of started everything. And then I wasn't in commercial real estate when I moved to Hollywood. I worked at Disney for a short period of time. And then I was in the internet division in 2000 and they laid us all off. And it was sort of like, what am I going to do next? Mm. So I thought about becoming an agent and then something just sort of landed in my lap, an opportunity to get into commercial real estate. And I followed that. And where things really started to take off was when my manager, I was driving all the way to Woodland Hills, my crappy Dodge Shadow with no air conditioning (laughs) um, from Hollywood. And my manager said... I don't know why you're doing office leasing up here in Woodland Hills and Agora Hills. Why don't you start calling on the people you know in the entertainment industry and in Hollywood? And that's when it like clicked. And yeah, yeah, I got more involved with Chamber, which I could walk to from my little shoebox apartment. (laughs) And um, yeah, so that's that's how I got started there. What is the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce exactly? It's, a, it's an organization that promotes business and nonprofits in the community, basically encouraging a dynamic business community, um, bringing people together. We uh, serve as a bridge to, for example, the politicians. If somebody's concerned about safety, street cleanliness, et cetera, which is a huge concern now in Hollywood, the chamber is that conduit or your voice or your voice to Sacramento as well. And I think most importantly for a person like me, it's a way to connect with landowners, business owners, people that, you know, you're going to do business with networking. Networking, right. Yeah. So what's the story of, um, I mean, you clearly have some people that you admire, that you uh, presented to. What's on the opposite side of that, that you were like, maybe this, these, this person wasn't so friendly or kind or you know, honored. Who disappointed her the most? Yeah. Is that what you're trying to get at? For the most part, I want to say that people surprised me with how kind they were. And I I was more so surprised by that in a good way. Like people were kinder than I expected. There are people that didn't acknowledge me at all that I introduced and that I was, I would say, disappointed because I'm a huge fan. So that happened. But one of the people that I'm not so surprised that he was really prickly was Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So that ceremony was just chaotic in true musician fashion. And by the way, there were about 3000 fans. It was the biggest fan crowd I had seen and they hadn't shut the street down yet. So they were jammed on the other side of the street while cars were going by and the fans started like pushing the gates and they actually completely pushed into the street while the cars were moving into the street. So that was, that was a lot of chaos. All that's going on. There's a process of what you present. It's like a sequence, like first we do this, then we do this. And part of that process is we present this plaque from the city of Los Angeles. And it's just basically saying the city acknowledges, you know, and honors you. That's essentially what it is. 
it's called a resolution. And so part of your speech is you say, and here I present to you a beautiful resolution. Mm. So I hand it and I for for each band member and I hand it to Anthony Kiedis and he's like, what, what, but what is it? But what is it? What is the resolution? <laughs> um, it's, I honestly couldn't answer. Yeah. I'm like trying to read it as I'm up on stage. And by the way, I'm 3000 fans. Yeah going crazy they want you to move through this right the most compelling part of the ceremony people get a little they go wild when the stars hold it but i I don't think anybody knows what it is so that was a funny thing is like i couldn't properly answer him and then flea kind of like made up for it he's like it's a resolution it's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) shut up this is not the time thank you flea's the good guy flea's the good guy you know and so that was, I think, the most remarkable. And there were a couple other things that happened during the ceremony where I would say something like, this is where you stand. And he's like, yeah, I got it. So like, and he would be like, well, like, what's happening next kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, he sounds exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But everybody else was, yeah. everyone else in the band yeah. was super cool. And like I said, for the most part, people were really kind. I would say I was impressed by that. It's a happy occasion. So I assume when they're coming, they're looking forward to it. They're happy. They're excited. They have no reason to be assholes, except apparently Anthony Kiedis. But. And I mean, it's not perfect either. Yeah. I think yeah. that there's pieces that could probably be differently orchestrated. And so they know more. But I will tell you what I've observed is no matter how many times you tell someone's manager, because you're not going to have a, you're not going to have a prep call with a star. That's just not how it works. You have a prep call with their manager or their agent or whomever is representing them. And you, they go through the sequence. And a lot of times they just show up and they expect everything to be there perfectly. Yeah. I should yeah. say, do the managers ever say, we would like the star to be located here? How does that whole thing work of where the location of the actual star is? <laughs> yes. So the producer actually of the walk of fame designates that and typically chooses them based on context. So for example, Daniel Craig's was next to Roger Moore's Mm. and the address happens to be 7007 Hollywood Boulevard. There's a lot of thought behind these, you know, it's not just, uh... (laughs) you know, they don't just throw them anywhere. I tended to notice that a list like A-list actors would be right around Hollywood Highland. Like Salma Hayek was right out in front of Man's Chinese. I'm not sure if they requested that. I think that the Chamber of Commerce and the producer has the ability to place them where they see fit. In terms of musical acts, Amoeba is now by Hollywood and Fine. That's where Missy Elliott's was. That's where Red Hot Chili Peppers was. And also Capitol Records. So if it's a Capitol Records uh, art musical artist, they'll put it in front of Capitol Records on Vine. So they're not all on Hollywood Boulevard. There's a little bit on Vine as well. Gotcha. So back to the choosing process, because so you say you get a lot of like, you know, hundreds of them, and then there's like 20 for the whole year, right? Yeah. So when the each group is choosing, what is the criteria besides the fact that I know you said if they have a movie coming out or if somebody's pushing for or an album is coming out or whatever, but what is like the final consensus? Because there must be like a lot of, like more than one person who's having an album out or a movie out, right? Like what's the main criteria? I think that it's a combination of having a canon of work that's well known. And then also if there's a philanthropic piece to it as well. 
So I know that's important because again, that is sort of this council of celebrities. I have not been to those meetings, but that's what I gather is important. And the other thing that's really important, the star has to agree to it. So that's part of the process. Like, I think a lot of people think that this council just goes through a list of celebrities and decides on their own, like, okay, here is who we're going to define this year. Right. It goes through, you have to apply, then be nominated, then you have to agree. Like Red Hot Chili Peppers, I think they got nominated 15 years ago and they finally just agreed to do their star just recently. Did they get re-nominated again that they just agreed or they just agreed to the nomination from 15 years ago? Well, I think Red Hot Chili Peppers was an exception because I think there is a limited amount of time that you're supposed to get your ceremony from the time you're nominated, somewhere between two to four years. I think Red Hot Chili Peppers, being LA's favorite sons and whatever else, I think that was a bit of an exception, but they had been nominated quite some time ago. I'm fascinated by people saying no, but I'm also curious, how does the rejection letters go to the other people? (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, you didn't accept. I'm just picturing like giving like a list celebrity. You just Sorry, don't get a phone call, Orly. <laughs> There's no rejection letter. You just don't hear. <laughs> you just get ghosted <laughs> by the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, I don't know if they how that works. If they send out a letter saying "Sorry, not this year" or whatever, but they definitely find out, you know, that they're nominated. And I think I, I think the A listers generally are getting in. Yeah. Yeah. When you say it's almost 3,000, the funny thing is, is that a majority of the 3,000 is, you know, celebrities you wouldn't even know, like from, you know, Years the, ago. the 30s, 40s, 50s that we wouldn't know. But can you tell us about the history, like how it all started and why? Yes. Yeah, so the Chamber of Commerce in, you know, the late 50s, they were having a meeting and talking about that people come to Hollywood and would like to meet their favorite stars and they really don't have a way to do it. So this was a way to put the stars on the sidewalk so that, you know, tourists could come. They unveiled eight stars when the Walk of Fame was introduced. And that included Burt Lancaster and Joanne Woodward, among others that we wouldn't readily recognize. She is still alive and 93 years old, I see. Mm. And she was married to the hottie, Paul Newman. One of the most beautiful men (laughs) I have ever seen. We're not editing that out, Gabrielle. Okay, we're keeping that in. We're keeping that in. So do you guys give stars to, I know Andy Cohen, he got it probably as being an executive, right? But do you give them to unscripted celebrities, unscripted people? I have not seen that yet. There was definitely a discussion around that. Obviously, some unscripted stars become, you know, stars in different categories. But I haven't seen, for example, you could say podcasting is a division of the radio category. Haven't necessarily seen a podcast star in their own right get nominated yet. Mm. But, you know, there's the future, you know, is still to come. Yeah. Um, Sports entertainment was added, though, and I think that's a really exciting category for us. Yeah, I'm curious, like content creators, like Mr. Beast, like will he ever get a star, how that's changing and how it will affect who actually receives them. I mean, uh, just some top line info. So this has been going on for 63 years. There are 10 million visitors annually. 
achievement of the people are in the entertainment industries varies from actors, directors, producers, musicians, theatrical, musical groups, fictional characters, and now sports industry. Fictional characters, what do, what do they mean yeah. by that? They mean like uh, the Smurfs. Oh. oh. <laughs> but actually, that, that's a... Um, when you go and do like a pub night at a bar or whatever, pub trivia night, that's a question. What are <laughs> the, you know, the eight fictional characters that have been named on the Walk of Fame? Somebody texted me. My cousin was at a, was at a trivia night, texted me. <laughs> I didn't have them all off the top of my head, but I do that's know that's one of them. Mickey Mouse. Oh, okay. okay. That makes sense. So that's the fictional characters. That's gotcha, hilarious. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> And then has there ever been a time where they have to remove a star because of something bad that they've done? That has never happened. And I don't think it's going to happen, but it absolutely is something that is requested, especially oh. Donald Trump star. I was going to say, yeah. There is a campaign that is still active to wow. attempt to remove Donald Trump star. It was vandalized, right? At some point. It's vandalized. Quite a bit. It's not, it's a sort of an ongoing situation. Is that the most vandalized star you guys have I ever? Think, I, I think yeah. so. I mean, it is certainly the most publicized vandalized star. Yes, it's been, it's been vandalized a lot. In fact, the guy who, you know, um, leads the campaign, he will show up at Hollywood Chamber of Commerce events and oh, put wow. a sign for his campaign. He emails yeah. council members and he's, you know, pretty adamant about that but there that would set a precedent the thing is that these stars honor the art of the folks who have received these uh, awards and we can't be you know can't be judging yeah. their entire personal lives but yeah that's one of them that's interesting but do you guys actually have to consider it like do you actually have to have meetings as soon as somebody requests this or can you just be like okay look we don't do this end of story that is confidential. I can't get into the content of the meetings, but definitely, I mean, the, the requests come and then, you know, it's considered, but the, yeah, definitely the decision is we're not going to be removing stars. Got it. Once they're in, it's a monument. Right. It must be interesting to see who these celebrities choose as their speakers. And you get to just kind of see like their, like you said, Andy Cohen had John Mayer. I never knew that they were friends. Salma yeah. Hayek, tell us about that. And who did she have as her speakers? She had Adam Sandler as one of her speakers. Oh. And they are really close um, because they did Grown Ups together. And that was really special. He's first of all, of course, he's hilarious. And, you know, he showed up in his sweatshirt and his Sears pants. He just he's dressed down for sure. That's his that's his gig. And he was just telling a funny story. So here, her husband obviously is very, very wealthy. His company owns Gucci. So he made a couple jokes about his private jet versus their private jet. <laughs> That's one of the really special parts of doing these ceremonies. And as a pop culture mega fan, to, to kind of wait to see who they choose. And sometimes it doesn't, you don't know until like a couple days before. Yeah. Because sometimes they maybe it's scheduling doesn't work out. Sometimes they're not quite sure who it's going to be. So yeah, that was always a fun thing is to see who who's going to be the speaker. Yeah, but also 
Are you allowed to tell us who's chosen for next round to receive stars? Well, actually, that hasn't come. You're talking about the class of 2024? Yes. Yes. So that hasn't come to the board yet. Oh, okay. Because they, the application period just ended. Oh, okay. So that will be announced. Like I said, I think early July will be the announcement date. I'll let you know. Mm, okay. I don't even know yet. <gasps> yeah, I wonder. I don't even know yet, but it's exciting. But it does, it does come to the board. The board ratifies it and then it goes to the official announcement. But it's definitely very like confidential until it gets announced. How is Avril Lavigne? She was so sweet. That was one that I was like, I felt really special because there's certain stars that get up there and they talk about their first experience, the Walk of Fame. I had chills talking about it. She brought a blown up picture of herself laying on the Hollywood Walk of Fame oh. when she was like 14 or 15. Oh, I love and that. That was her dream. Her dream uh, was to have a Walk of Fame star. Yeah. And there were others where they would talk about or have their mom. Well, I think it was Ashanti. Her mom had made her a replica of a, of a star or bought it at one of those gift shops or something. Yeah. And was like, honey, you're going to get one of these one day. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. So it was really sweet. Who is Avril Lavigne's speaker? Oh, uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, oh. that's interesting. <laughs> And an executive that I can't remember the name of. Sometimes they'll have a music executive or just an executive in their camp talk. And so if it's not someone I already know, I, I don't always remember. But that's who she had. Do the Kardashians have one? Or were they ever no, nominated? And you no, know, and you know, I think to back to your question about reality stars. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think that's one. And I, I don't know if they've ha ever applied or if anyone's applied for them. Yeah. But of course, that's one that you sort of, you wonder, you know, maybe yeah. one day. Things are changing for sure. Kris Jenner will have a star. She will. She'll just come and make it well, herself. <laughs> they, there's no question. They've built an empire, you know. Right? Yeah. They really yeah. have. Yeah. Anyone can say what they want about them, but they have done. And I have said anything I wanted about them. <laughs> Does Britney Spears have a star? Yes. Okay. We're going to go down like every stars we know. Just <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's going to be No, like I that. know, because then you want to know. And so you can go to the Chamber website, uh, actually the Walk of Fame website at walkoffame.com. You can search that database and it will tell you, you can look up Britney Spears star or, and you can hit, learn about upcoming ceremonies. So here's upcoming ceremony. I don't know if you can see that. That's Tupac. No. Oh. Do you no. know who Tupac speakers are? Yes, I just saw it. Um, tell us. It is, yes. So it's director Alan Hughes, who did Dear Mama, mm. and Jamal Joseph. And then uh, Tupac's sister will be there as well. What I have noticed for the megastar posthumous stuff, they usually have a really tight group of family versus like whomever else you might expect or think. Gotcha. That makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. You people get upset online. All of these ceremonies are on YouTube and you'll see people get fired up. Like, why wasn't this one there? That one there, you know, but nobody realizes the circumstances. And in this case, I'm sure that Tupac's family was very selective about who they wanted to be there. So we learned, Nicole, that there is only one Persian person that has a star. Uh, his name is Andy. 
Uh, he's a musician, singer, and orally interviewed him for this, well, right? His name is Andy Madadian. Wow. He's is, an Armenian-Iranian musician. That He got that start not so... It was recently, right? Yeah, it was 2020. I remember. Yeah. I remember. Oh. Yeah, it was during COVID, I guess. Yeah, no, I remember that star. You must know this because there's so many Iranian-Americans in L.A., Whenever we venture out and we become part of like a mainstream, it's a big deal for us. Yeah. You know, we feel like we're getting recognized. And this yeah. was a big deal because look, it's the Walk of Fame is iconic. That and also when the the Century City sculpture of the um, cylinder went out, that was also a huge deal. So all these like little events in LA that revolves around like Persians getting highlighted was a big deal. Yeah, no, I remember this because one of our past chairs is Iranian and she very much wanted to be a part of this ceremony and it was a very, very big deal for her. All right. So, Nicole, are you ready for rapid fire questions? Oh, wow. Okay, sure. I think you're <laughs> going to be great at this. Most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Oh, boy. There's been so many. It's hard to, <laughs> hard to nail down. Um, I'd have to... Wow. Tripping on your pants. That wasn't even that embarrassing for me. I've done so many more embarrassing things. Falling on my face. Ooh, that's hard. This is one that um, I created. I created an embarrassing moment for myself. In the early days of Zoom uh, meetings, when COVID was happening, my company was trying to get, you know, because we're Brokers are generally, commercial real estate brokers, generally very social A-type personalities. They were trying to create happy hours, trying to get us together. So they did this icebreaker and they said, you know, you either need to tell a story or sing a song or something or whatever. So I did karaoke. I did Panama, which is, again, I don't easily self-embarrass. So I sang Panama pretty much the whole song. I was dancing around, kicking around. I couldn't even hear the audio. Oh God! Oh, that was no. pretty embarrassing. It does the thing. If like I don't get embarrassed that much about public humiliation because I just figure who cares. It's pretty yeah. funny, but that was pretty bad. Something that was a low, but you look back and think, ah, oh, that's why that happened. Because everything happens for a reason. When I moved out to Los Angeles, I was real down and out, like no money. And it, I was definitely having a hard time, but certainly being at the bottom and not having any support, not having anyone to borrow money from certainly led me to be driven to make my own way. So it does. It gives you strength, right? So yeah, the best career advice you've ever gotten. Um, this is the most memorable. When I was a new broker and I was supporting this senior broker, which by the way, when I got to the business, it was 97% men. So it's not surprising he was a man. I introduced myself to everyone as his like junior associate. So I would say, hi, my name is Nicole. I'm, you know, John Smith's junior associate. So this woman who had been in the business for a while pulled me aside and she said, you're Nicole Mahalka. This person, you know, John Smith, he's going to come and go. You're not always going to be working with him. You introduce yourself as you. And that I took that advice. And that was really helpful because I've, I've met other women, you know, since then that I've definitely heard them qualify themselves. Yeah. Like I'm this name yeah. and I work for blank. Right. Own your own identity. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. But, but you're right, though, in terms of commercial real estate, it's very much a male dominated industry. So good for you for pushing your way to the top. Yeah. And I thank you. And I still get questions. If I meet somebody who's in this business, who for whatever reason, we haven't done a deal before, they'll ask me who I work for. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you do retail? Because that's typically there's more women do that do retail. And so. Right. Say, oh, no, I don't. I work for myself. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you work for? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> a celebrity you are dying to meet. Oh, um, you know what's so funny is I was going to say Oprah, but I met her. Oh. Um, and what did you think? Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. I did a deal with her. I, I leased a building to her oh. and she was incredible. That's oh, good to hear. and I got to meet Ryan Gosling. So there's so there's I I've yeah. been pretty spoiled with celebrities I've gotten to meet through my work. Obama and Michelle. Michelle and, and Barack Obama for sure. Awesome. All right. Your greatest strength. A confidence. That's a good strength to have. That's a great strength to yeah. have. Right? Because you can get through anything. I think especially for women, just, I feel like. Yeah. Have you always been confident? No. No, because uh, you know, we all go through it. There's always times when you're doubting yourself or, you know, I was overweight when I was little. So um, I definitely wasn't confident then. Mm. And you get made fun of. And and then I moved across the country with my mom, my single mom, and had no knew nobody. Yeah. And I started a new school. And I think I read this book about how to like be social. That should have been my most embarrassing moment as a baby. <laughs> I was going in the seventh grade. I was, I didn't have any friends. So I read this book about like how to be social and make friends and it actually helped. It actually helped. And so kind of from then on there, when I got my core group of girlfriends, I think that really helped. I'm still really close with my best girlfriends from when I was 12 years old, from when I moved to Massachusetts. Who inspires you? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, so right now I'm really inspired. It just sort of changes every day to day. But one of my business partners is trans and is going through that journey right now. And that's been really inspiring. They're younger. So I think it's a new generation. I think that in you know our my generation, I think people were more reluctant to even come out um, as LGBTQ, but to go through this journey of changing a name changing identity has been has been really inspiring so and then nicole tell us something we don't know okay i was an athlete when i was young i was a star cross-country runner when i was 12 i was up and coming basically cross-country star and that started because i was overweight and i was just trying to find a way to lose weight so i started running the track at the neighborhood high school and then it petered off i basically you know, I became a teen. I became a regular teen. If I had taken that route to pursue that, um, I probably would have been, you know, I would have been training too much and couldn't do like the normal fun things. Yeah. I love that. And Nicole, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram at the broker Nicole. That is my public Instagram account. Well, thank you so much for sharing all the ins and outs of the Hollywood Walk of Fame and, and talking about yourself. We had fun. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, this Nicole. was great. Thank you so much for having me.
Thank I'm you. going to Google the hot pink pantsuit now. Nice. Andy needs to have you on Watch yes. What Happens Live and identify you. And uh, I think that once this episode comes out, I think you're going to be the guest bartender. I'd love that. I'd love to put that in the universe. It's going to happen, Nicole. I think we have to, yeah, just keep manifesting. Right? Yeah. Know. Like Avril Lavigne in that photo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you so much for listening to Tell Us Something We Don't Know. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at TUSWDK or email us at info at tellussomethingwedontknow.com. Audio and editing by Simon Greffenstedt and theme music provided by Signature Tracks. <laughs>